Hello and welcome to Real Men Feel. I'm your host, author, coach, and healer, Andy Grant. Thank you for joining us today as we talk about the importance of family. If your family story is one of struggle and trauma, and you're finally ready to heal that, I invite you to book a one-on-one call with me to start the process. Visit theandygrant.com slash talk to learn more. That is theandygrant.com slash talk because you are worth it. My guest today is Billy Potter. Billy is a husband, father, grandfather, and friend to all who know him. We discuss the importance of feeling safe and loved in your family. Billy shares the most important lessons he's learned from his father, while openly discussing seeing the best in his father, even when he consistently made bad decisions. The emotional bond of father and son can seemingly counter a lot of negative experiences. Let's see how. Hey, Billy, it's great to see you and welcome to Real Men Feel. Good to be here. You know, uh, you're joking. You were just saying that you're an open book and I said, well, we're going to find out. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, uh, we met in... We were both in a mentor program with, with Dr. Jed Diamond for like the past year. And it was mostly, you know, uh, coaches and, and healers and guys wanting to do things. And, and, but, but you, you're not that. You're, you're not a coach. You're not an author. You haven't, you know, you haven't. So, so why did you, what got you interested to, to be in this mentorship program with Jed to begin with? I think um, I'm lucky enough to, I live close to him. So I see him on a daily basis almost. And we talk almost on a daily basis, although not lately, it's, we've all been busy, but uh, um, I'm just lucky. And I, I'm not a coach, but I, I maybe want to be, I'm not sure. I, I want to do something to help people. I see a lot of, a lot of people hurting out there and, and, and I just, I don't know. I, like I said, lucky enough to live that close to him where I was connected and, and heard about it and talked about it with him and then decided what the heck and, and got to meet a bunch of guys like you and a, and a couple nice ladies. And, and I'm, I'm, even if I, like I told him, even if I don't go into coaching or anything like that, I'm really excited that I took the class and, and got to know the people I did. It's, it was, it was a amazing experience for sure, to say the least. Cool. Yeah. And <clears throat> We we dubbed you early on because you always you've always shared that one to help people, one to be of service, and and you're a plumber by trade, and yep. and a dad and a grandfather and uncle, and you you have a you have a big uh, family and an extended family, and it was apparent to me right off that you're you're already helping people, you're, you're being of service, and we we kind of dubbed you the Zen plumber that you're adding more wisdom as you as you went on your plumbing duties and calls and flushing out the worst of people <laughs> yeah i like that that's a good one i gotta write that down <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that stood out most to me about you and your story is you are like one of the nicest guys i've ever met but your your experiences um might have created a different person oh yeah yeah <laughs> so so tell me a little bit about your dad to start this off all right um First off, the greatest man I've ever known. Um, he's passed for, for many years now, but but just um, heart of gold. I've modeled myself after the man I know him to be um, at this point. Um, family is everything. 
um, my kids, my grandkids, my brothers, my sister, my mom, and even beyond that, you know, friends and, and stuff. It's um, people are, are more valuable than stuff and things. And, and those are, those are definitely things my, I learned from my dad who was, you know, just to be all the way, um, he was an alcoholic and at many times of his life, a drug addict, um, was feared by some people. Um, not, not, not me, not, not my brothers and my sister and, Probably my mom at certain points in their life, um, they lived pretty crazy um, when they were young, for sure. Um, we were homeless at times. We were poor forever, although most of the time it didn't matter. We had, it, I mean, good and bad times, poor was nobody's worry in my house. <laughs> um, we had fun and and I don't know, It's he, he was amazing. And I wish he was here for my grandkids to to hang out with, even even for all his flaws. You know, um, he never never abused us as children. Um, possibly there's definitely some uh, mental abuse just being in the household of of you know alcoholism and 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 drug addict. Because at certain points he was making drugs, he was making crank, and and you know he was he was a very connected man and. Uh, for in his world, you know, like I said, people feared him because he was had a tendency to be mean when things weren't going his way, but not to us. Like I said, everything was, he was freaking Theodore Cleaver's daddy on ours. You know, we went camp and we played and, and, and he was just always smiles, especially in my, my later years, for sure. He was, he, he, he got to know himself real well and, and just, like I said, um, later in life, when his body was given up on him and he couldn't work, he was still an alcoholic, but didn't do drugs. You know, I mean, smoked his weed. Um, when they made that legal in the beginning, he was like the third person in our county to get his license and grew it right in his little rented front yard and just loved it. Um, but other than that, he was he was just perfect, I guess, <laughs> in my eyes at this point in my life. So that's so. So saying perfect at this point in your life. So w when you were a child growing up in the house and, you know, s surrounded in, in drug culture and de like, were you were you aware that anything was was illegal in the house or was it was um, it all just seemed fun to you or? No, nah, not fun, because, you know, there was, um, you know, I, I don't know how to say it. Mom and dad fought a lot when they were coming down or what or dad would, you know, go party with his friends for a couple of days and although she always knew where to find him. And uh, <laughs> so it, it was, it was hectic to say the least, you know, um, they definitely didn't see eye to eye because my mom was pretty naive in the beginning, you know, and, and, and once it all came to light and she was, you know, my parents were together forever. Um, they, they, my mom's been single since his death and they lived with each other and learned to, to grow together for sure. <laughs> Um, cause they, like I said, once she lost her naivety, she, she joined the party at a, at a much lower level than my father. You know, she wasn't an all nighter for, for, for weeks at a time, <laughs> but, uh, so I've heard you say that growing up your, your household, it reminded you of the TV show shameless. 
kind of not quite as bad as shameless for sure. But yeah, there was, there was shady people in the house all the time. Um, that's what I mean by, by, you know, normally in a house like that, you might have to worry about being molested or abused by somebody, even, you know, not your father or mother, you know, just because I've had friends in those kind of houses and not in my house. Um, my dad would have killed somebody if they'd have put hands on us. You know, um, he valued his family for sure. Even even at the height of his issues, he, um, you know, um, I guess here the one of the biggest moments of my life as a kid was we were being evicted from our house in um, Oak Park in Sacramento, a bad neighborhood. My dad, had, I remember he was at that age, I was almost a freshman in high school, I think it was. And so I knew what was going on. I wasn't dumb. Um, my dad was cooking dope in the garage. They'd take five gallon buckets of pints all in the front yard. So you couldn't, so the, the smell wasn't immediately noticeable. Um, but I remember we were being evicted from that house and my mom who had had it was done. I talked to her sister in Colorado and her sister said, yeah, we got a place you can come stay with us out here. And so my mom loaded us kids, me, my two brothers and my sister into a Ford Granada that my dad had bought for $50 and done some front end work on it. And it was ready to go. And we were headed to Colorado and she was leaving my dad behind. And we were in the front yard, like literally parked in the front yard on the grass and all of us begged him to get in the car. I just, I remember it just being like just a hectic scene. Everybody's screaming, come on, dad, please, please, please. And he got in the car and off we went and it didn't last for long. You know, um, we got there, dad, all, my dad always worked my, my whole life. He was a roofer, a con construction worker, set up mobile homes. I mean, just, he, he always worked. Um, so we got there, he wound up getting a job. Um, we pretty in short order, got our own house. Um, we were renting a house and then one party, um, my dad got into it with two of my uncles and wound up with a broken leg and couldn't, so he couldn't work, which in turn meant we were getting kicked out of that house. And since we knew nobody there, except for my aunt and uncles, um, and that bridge was a little bit burnt, partly because they were morons, as well as, you know, they were all in the same same moron, moron boat, I guess. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so my dad, he came back out to California by himself, got a job, saved up money, came back, picked us up and hauled us back. Anyway, there was a, a that the biggest part of that was he got in the car there, you know, when when it was. And he actually made my mom well, go on a minute and we went and wound up putting stuff in storage and and then loading the car up clamp it style and you know stuff all over the trunk and the hood and me my mom my two brothers my sister and our dog got in the ford granada and headed for colorado so so through the ups and downs the family always did stay together and that was always, important to everybody always. Yeah, that is. And it true. It still is to all of us now. I mean, me, my two brothers, my sister, um, we all live within a mile of each other. Um, and do your brothers and sisters, do they do they have the same high regard for their their your dad that, that you do? 
For sure. For sure. And I, you know, I'm, I'm actually, I'm trying to touch base with them and get down to it a little more with them. I'm sure they all got their own personal issues. Um, uh, so um, I want to talk with them more about that, but yeah, we all, we all miss him. We talk about it all the time, how, you know, it was because later in his life, he was mellow. He was as chill as they come. He watched, he watched my daughter for the first three years of her life. Um, and then he passed and, so he was like, ah, he couldn't work, but we were paying him to be the, the babysitter basically. Yeah. And, and he had his little pot garden that he was so proud of and loved, you know, his little four or five, six plants. And <laughs> he just, yeah, he was, had found his dream. <laughs> that was it. He was content and happy. And so you talked about, you talked about your, your dad being really the, the greatest man you ever knew and modeling yourself after him. So what are, are there some specific things you can name that you, that you learned from your father? Um, to value family, um, over everything, over everything, you know, money and stuff and, and that kind of junk. And, and friend, you know, when I say family, there are many friends that, that, that are right in that circle. You know what I mean? That, that I drop everything for, I'd, I'd almost do it for anybody, but it's just, a. I think that's the biggest thing is just the value of, of people over stuff. Like I said, my dad was poor and, and, and never was it an issue for him. It was never, you know, I remember once he was offered a job back when, before everything went crazy as I was probably in maybe second or third grade, something like that. And I remember some of the the guys, the people that lived right next to us, they, we lived in a pretty uppity neighborhood at the time. And, and there was like four couples that were right in a row in the houses and they'd all get together and they'd have dinner and barbecue and, you know, and drink. And, you know, I think they did Coke even because one of them was a, was an oil guy. He, he just, he'd be gone for six, eight months out of the year working on the oil wells out in Texas and Oklahoma and stuff like that. And he tried to get my dad to come, to work for him, you know, for ridiculous, what would have been a ridiculous amount of money back then. And my dad just wouldn't do it. He didn't want to, you know, disappear from his family for six, eight months. And so he, I remember him and my mom arguing about it and he was, you know, he just didn't want to do it and, and wound up not doing it. And, and those people wound up moving. I remember we went and visited them. They had a pool and, all this cool stuff. We thought, man, dad, why didn't you go to work with John? <laughs> so you mentioned a couple of times that before things went crazy or a time when things got, you know, really. Cr- so what, what does that, what does that mean? Um, you know, I don't, cause I imagine that, that the whole, you know, drug party was going on long before I realized it. But at some point I just remember the arguments were constant. Okay. Um, and just, just between your parents or, or yeah, your father yeah. and other people? Yeah. Or, okay. My, my parents mostly, um, people didn't, most of the people that came around did not argue with my father. Um, cause he was for, for the skinny little boy that he was, boy, he was tough, I guess. And, and, and I watched him a few times slap some people up and, and apparently he was pretty tough. Um, but he tried to always not do that in front of us, you know? Um, but, but also there were times where things were, you know, I remember him getting some cold French fries once at a Burger King and told the dude, you know, they got him at a drive through pulled, pulled up park, went in, told man, these are cold. And I guess the guy told him, 
you know, too bad, you know, we're not giving you new French fries. And I guess my dad just flung the four orders of French fries all over the place towards the guy and was like, you know, kick your ass kind of shit. Uh, it was funny to me as a kid then, mm-hmm. not so funny as an adult thinking, oh, that was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if, uh, so your dad's, um, <clears throat> Let's see. Can Gosh, be intimidating yeah, I... and and instilling fear in people, and he's dealing drugs, and you think you you think he's he's the greatest. So because he was to us, I yeah, mean, he was. Great. He... So, but did did <laughs> so? Did you follow in his footsteps? Did you did you could you take the good guy and separate the bad actions, or did you have to go all the way in? <laughs> I, I you know I I thought I was I was definitely not as I wasn't feared like my dad was. But I, yeah, I was going to show him how it was done on this old drug dealing thing. And, you know, how can a drug dealer be poor was my thinking. <laughs> and so I, I tried my hand at that and um, wound up, I, I found out how a drug dealer can be poor. You know, there's, there's a lot of partying that goes into being a drug dealer the way I did it anyways. And uh, so I... I eventually wound up in prison um, because I was high and threw a pipe bomb into a, a police policeman's front yard. This was many years ago, long before, you know, um, people had the outlook on officers that they do now and not that, you know, anyways, the, the biggest issue was I got, I threw it in his front yard. Um, they tried to give me life for attempted murder um, I wound up going to jail for a seven year sentence when I was 19 years old and um, I served four years, got out and haven't looked back. <laughs> well, it's been pretty great ever since. So is, is, was, was going to prison something that turned you around? Did, 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 did that stop that, that life of it's, crime or? I, I would have to say yes. Um, not that prison did it for me because a ton of guys go to prison and ultimately there's in my experience in there, there was nothing in prison itself that made me get right. It was truly my, my, I believe my value, the way I valued my family, you know, cause um, at that point there was, my parents were mellow. They were chill. They were kicked back. Um, I pretty much, um, just, I felt like I had let them down. My mother, especially, um, just because she was, <laughs> I'll never forget it. She swore it that I never did it. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. And she came to visit me the first time we got to actually physically touch each other. I was in Susanville, um, state prison and she came to visit me and we were finally, you know, face to face, not behind glass and whatnot. And, and she's like, now I just got to know, did you do it? <laughs> And I, when I told her, yes, when I told her the truth, I could see just, it broke her. Hmm. And, and that, that killed me, killed me. Just, she, she felt like she let me down and ah, I was just terrible. Hmm. But um, also just, you know, everything. My, my dad wrote me every single day that I was in prison. Every single day I got a letter from him, whether it was, three sentences that just said cooking breakfast, thinking about you, love you, son. Can't wait to see it. Cause I didn't get to, 
I didn't get to see him for the four years I was in um, because he had a criminal past and they wouldn't okay him to come in and see me. He had never been to prison. He had done, you know, some county time and gotten drunk drivings and that kind of stuff. And they, but he, they wouldn't let him come see me. And so I didn't see him for four years back then. And we were, we were tight, you know, we were drinking buddies. We were, <laughs> we were partying buddies. We, and, and like, I, I, yeah. So you, you really hit me as a really open hearted and kind man. So, <laughs> and, and so I wonder if was, was your dad open and emotional with you? Like, did you have to perceive your dad loved you or was he telling you it oh, often? No. Oh, always, always. My dad was for the tough guy that he was. He hugged us all the time. He told us he loved us all the time. He, I mean, we just, he was all about family. I mean, we, like I said, we were poor, but we would, sorry, that's my granddaughter. <laughs> um, but you know, it was, it was never a problem. We, my mom would cook up fried chicken and we'd go park at the river and sit at the river and, and just waste the whole day playing around. And, and he never, that, that's, that's part of it. You know, that's why he could have, he could be the crazy man that he was and still be the most valuable person I've ever known um, was his, he always had time for us. Um, we, I never felt like there was anything on the planet that was more important than me. Wow. You know, it was true unconditional love on going both ways going both ways there was no no mistake i could ever make that would make him not love me as much as he always loved me hmm. and 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 in turn that he got that return to him i guess <laughs> cool yeah you're you're um you have a level of compassion for 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 people that that's that is, is, it's just rare. It, it's rare everywhere. And it, it's, it's a, a bit like, so I, you know, my, I grew up, my, my dad was, was an alcoholic and he dreamed, he would talk about wanting to join a gang and wanting to be a drug dealer. And, you know, <laughs> but I don't think, I don't think any of that ever came to fruition for him, but there was this idolization of that. And I grew up at a young age, like, oh, I'm making, oh yeah, crime is cool. This is down. That's the fun and the exciting life. So I, I can uh, appreciate some of, 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 you know, a little bit of your experience. But boy, so what's, what's really amazing to me is how you're able to really just take the best parts and the, you know, the, and, huh. well, four years, that's, I mean, that's no small price to pay. So that, that's four years is a hard, that's a hard lesson to learn. So maybe what, was it that time that you got to like consciously, here's the good stuff to run with and here's the, what I need to leave behind? You know, I kind of, but whenever you say that, it, it, it makes me think of another thing my dad always did. We were drowned in Disney movies, all right? My dad was a fanatic, all right? And I mean, like, Pollyanna is, is an old classic Disney, if you've ever seen it, all right? And I mean, it's an old one, okay? Before my time, even, I, I think. But I remember watching that time and time again, and maybe the whole finding the positive comes from there's a thing called the glad game in that movie. All right. And whenever things are bad, you just got to find a reason, got to find the good in it. You got to find a reason to be glad you're in whatever situation you're in. 
All right. And and I, I always think of that whenever because people say that to me all the time. It's, you know, it's 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 I don't know what it is. It's I guess I've I used to say I've been through the worst life has to offer when I went to prison and and all that's, you know, and, and and I'm OK. My life is good. I have a wonderful wife. I have three children that are that are out. You know, my my youngest just graduated and 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 I have three grandchildren. Um, you know, I, I have a job that pays me pretty good and I live in a wonderful community full of great people and and they all like me. You know, that wasn't the case back when I was a, <laughs> an idiot. <laughs> you know <laughs> okay so fine so you weren't you weren't always as compassionate and open-hearted and caring there were there were there were times when you would shut down and put and be as tough as you might need for any any role. yeah yeah i mean i probably i mean just being on drugs and mm. and i mean i had long hair down to my ass i weighed 155 pounds i was i'm still i'm six foot four i was oh, six man. foot four then and I weighed 155 pounds. That is that is a rail of a man. I don't yeah. know why anybody would ever <laughs> think I was, I don't know, tough or any, I mean, it just seems like, gosh, 155 pound guy said anything mean to me, I'd, I'd probably laugh. I mean, yeah, for, for most of them, you could just sling them around. <laughs> but I, I don't. It's fun, you know, and I've I've never I, I guess I've heard of this Pollyanna movie. I've heard more like "Don't be such Pollyanna." So I guess that goes back to this movie. So the that whole like "Don't play the glad game" has been the advice of some people to others in life. But right? I'm I'm glad it, it served you so well. That's uh, I'm, I'm gonna have to go look for that movie. I've never seen it. Never. Yeah. Oh yeah, what Swiss Family Robinson? That's oh, I, I love that. Was one of my favorites. That's, I totally that was love that one movie. of our favorites as a kid. You know, I mean, we made coconut bombs and <laughs> and took the pirates out and. <laughs> Maybe that was the problem. Mm -hmm. Damn Disney. <laughs> no, it was the people I was hanging out with. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And and when you were you know let's, uh, running with uh, the the bad crowd and hanging out with idiots and morons, what you're thinking? Some of the terms you used so far. Yeah, yeah. Were, was your experience was your tight relationship with your dad was that common among everybody or was that unusual? No, it was definitely not common at all. Um, most of my male friends, especially, didn't even know their dads, and if or if they knew them, they had very little to do with them. Um, mostly because of, like I said, abuse or neglect, or you know, one one way it was one extreme or the other. It seemed like always, you know, um, usually around here. Now that I'm thinking about it, it was it was abuse, alcoholic abuse for the most part um, from from my crew that I was running with, yeah. um, and. Yeah, and they they all love my dad because, like I said, by the time we moved here to Willits, he was he was chill, and he had been through anything that we had even an inkling of going through, and and he was not he was super nice, but also very straight. You know, he would tell us that we were dipshits when we were dipshits, and and you know, even even threatened to kick our ass if we were being too stupid. Yeah. But he also at that point, you know, I think in, in for me anyways, I had seen so much and been through so much that there wasn't going to be no reining me in kind of a deal, you know. So and he was still, you know, he still drank and and me and him and my friends, we drank together and 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 it was always a good thing and and fun. And and he was in charge. Dad was the boss, you know, even even though at by that point his body had 
hurt him so bad that I, I could have won. I'm sure I could have. Sure. <laughs> but at that point, there was too much respect for sure that I would never. And and he there was no need. Hmm. You know, he wasn't he wasn't the dipshit that he used to be. Hmm. I, I, are there some things that 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 you say or that you do that you realize came straight from him with with your own kids and grandchildren? Do you see that coming through? Um, yeah, for sure. Um, I try, I try like hell to have as much fun as he did. And and I feel like I'm caught up more in the, in the rat race of the world than he was. Um, but, but I try, try, try to just, just have as much fun as he does to, for my, my grandkids, especially to see all the fun that we can have without, you know, spending any money, just being together and just, I don't know. Yeah. That's probably the biggest thing I try to. And is, is being fun and, you know, looking back at growing up, was, was your dad fun? Like only uh, if he was high or was there genuine enjoyment um, of life regardless of, of drugs? When he was, with, yeah, he was, he was always enjoyed life. Yeah. Even when we moved to Colorado and there was, I know there was no drugs there. He had alcohol, but, but where we were at, there were no drugs. <laughs> Because I would have been connected better than he would have been at that point and in the young crew. And there was just there was none to be there had there. It was like a, a rare thing for marijuana to roll through that town at that point. <laughs> um, but so he, he still was always fun, always. Um, and, and I don't I know his dad was abusive, alcoholic um, enough for my grandmother to leave him. Back in the days when, you know, it wasn't very common for people to do that. And and she left him and and he never remarried or nothing. But I know he was abusive and, and an alcoholic. And my dad never got into no details about it, you know, about how abusive or what, but physical abuse. And, and I know my dad lived with him for, I think, from like 14 till he was 16, at least. I think he left home at 16. And, but yeah, it's, yeah. And that would make sense. I mean, the, 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 if, if you don't, if you don't look within, look at your past, look to heal those wounds and just keep drinking till the day you die, then it's, that it's rare to examine yourself or to share the abuse that you've been through and, and even perhaps even realize it was abusive. No, he knew that for sure. Okay. But, but that I wonder, you know, because, I know my grandfather, his dad, when we lived in Sacramento, he moved to an old folks, like a nine story building. And I, I, I don't know how old I was. I know I, I rode my bike there a few times and went up there and visited with him. And I remember he wasn't all there. He, and But I remember my dad fighting with his three sisters because they made he he couldn't at some point he couldn't walk. And they decided that he couldn't have his booze then. And so the whatever delivery service that was delivering his groceries, um, they made it so that he couldn't get his alcohol. And at that point, he was, I don't know, 70 something years old and and barely hanging on. And so my dad was like, no, if, if, you know, you're not going to make him quit now, you know, and they fought about it and fought about, well, grandpa, he called the taxi service and had a taxi service go to the liquor store and bring him booze. So he figured his own way around the shit. But but I remember it being a, a big issue between my dad and his sisters, you know, 
that just because he can't go get it now, you're not going to, you know, I mean, he's too old to, to make him quit. He ain't abusing nobody but himself. And, and at this point is because he was drinking the booze, the hard alcohol. My dad was a beer man, you know, on his deathbed even, <laughs> but, um, so you definitely, I, I have, you've had, uh, Certainly, some highs and lows, and you know, be, being on things giving you highs and lows, and having experiences of, of highs and lows. So, you know, I, I wonder what stands out that you're most proud of in your life. I, I think at this point, that'd be my kids. Um, my my son's a heavy equipment operator, married to a wonderful lady that's uh, works at the hospital, and they have my five-year-old granddaughter and my grandson who turns one on the 13th and and then my oldest daughter has she's actually trying to move back up to Idaho but her plans fell through right now which I am glad because she's got my six-year-old granddaughter who they live one block down the road and you've met her before she's she used she was here with me a lot during our meetings um but yeah, that's my, my, my ride or die buddy right there. And then awesome. my, my oldest daughter, she's upstairs. Um, and she's just, just starting out on this, this journey. She's not sure what she wants yet. She's trying some college classes and, and did a little traveling this summer, went and visited some friends in Arizona and out in Texas. And, and so she's still, still feeling the world out, seeing what's out there. Cool. And w- what are you looking forward to Billy? I'm I, uh, retirement kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm far a long ways from it, but yeah, me and the wife just got back. I, you know, we went, we went on a, a journey as soon as the, my, our youngest graduated high school and my wife on her last day of work, literally she got off work. We hopped in our RV and we took off and we stayed on the road for about a month. Um, we drove to Nashville and hit everywhere from here to Nashville. And, and then everywhere we missed, we hit on the way back and just had a great blast doing it. Um, I actually bought a dash cam because next time we go, we're going to film this because we, I, I at least just die laughing with the two of us where our interaction, me and my wife, it's, uh, I, there's some hectic times too, for sure. But <laughs> but I told her it'd be pretty funny to, to watch, I think. <laughs> so, so does retirement mean more travel? Is that, is that oh, yeah, the, yeah, the excitement yeah. of that? Yeah. So you don't yeah. want to just, you're not going to just retire and sit on your front porch. That's not your lifestyle. No, although that's part of the plan, you know, okay. um, my, my big plan, I would like to buy a ranch and, and move all my kids onto the ranch and, and that would be my retirement. I'll take care of the ranch while they all go out and work and I can babysit the grandkids and, and ride around the ranch and, and, you know, just make it a pretty place to be and spend time with my grandkids. And, and and then me and the wife can take off in the RV whenever we feel like that just, that sounds like the perfect life to me, (laughs) but, but I'm a few years off. (laughs) Billy, is, is there, is there anything that stands out that you wish more men knew? Hmm. Wish more men knew. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I guess I wish more men knew that that there's more value in them than just working. 
and probably, I mean, like their true value isn't just in work because um, you can be poor as all hell. You can be homeless and, and you can be happy. Um, and, and it truly is just, it's all in your state of mind and, and, and in what you value. Um, I think, I think, you know, money is overvalued. Things and stuff are overvalued. Um, they're enjoyable for sure. But, you know, I, I try to remind myself all the time that if all this went away, if the house went away and everything went away, um, I'd, I'd still be all right. As long as I got my people, as long as I got my, you know, it might be hell. <laughs> I don't know. Cause now we got, you know, two dogs, four cats, I think the kids would be better in the car than the animals, but <laughs> awesome. Well, cool. And, uh, when you're laying awake at night, not quite falling asleep, or maybe before you fully awoken, any sort of dreams or visions of, of what the Zen plumber might, might be up to in the future. Um, I think I, I, I want to help people, man. I do. I, I want to, I think this life coach thing, it sounds wonderful to me. I want to, I want, I want people to see life like I see it, you know, um, like I said, I, I used to think I'd been through the the hardest, the toughest times of life when I went through prison and all that stuff. But, uh, um, my daughter, my youngest, um, when she was born, wound up in the hospital, um, the day after she was born. Um, she, we actually stayed the night in the hospital. My wife got her tubes tied the next morning. We came home or next evening. We came home. Um, and through that night, my daughter's just, she wasn't breathing right. And the next morning, my wife said, hey, we got to go back to the hospital. And uh, I remember dropping my son off with my parents. And I remember being a little upset, like, God, I just spent the last two days in the hospital. And, I, and we were driving because um, the hospital we, were, we had her birthed at was an hour and a half away. And there's a closer hospital. And when we were headed towards our hospital, my wife actually told me, we got to stop here. She ain't going to make it. Whew. Yeah. I'm a crybaby sometimes. <laughs> it's all good. But uh, so we stopped at the hospital that's a half an hour away here. And we walked in the emergency room door, said our baby's not breathing right. And to their credit, there was no wait, man. They snatched her up. They had us in the emergency room. They did everything they could for her. Um, eventually, they had to intubate her. She stopped breathing altogether. Um, they couldn't tell us why. They couldn't. They loaded her on a plane and they flew her to San Francisco, to the to the ICU there for babies. Um, we drove down there. Um, we were there for thirty days. Um, none of them. They all the tests they ran for the first twenty days. They couldn't tell us why. Um, what was wrong with her? They came to my house. They sent a botulism team to my house to to take samples of maybe that was after. I'm sorry, I'm mixing up the story here. So the, all these tests they ran, um, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. Um, eventually, after 20 days, she started moving. Her fingers starts started moving again, and they didn't believe us because it only because literally this is a testament to my family too. Um, for those 30 days that she was there, she was never alone for a second. If it wasn't me and my wife, it was my brothers, my sister, my mom. Um, at all times, she had somebody talking to her. Um, I think that truly helped. 
Um, but gosh, yeah, see, this one's the roughest for me. And she's perfectly fine now, but um, <laughs> they, uh, after so long, we actually got a video camera out and filmed it so that they would believe us. But eventually she wound up moving everything and, and waking up. Um, when she took a poop, they tested her poop and found out that she tested positive for botulism F. Um, at the time, she was one of five in the world to be diagnosed with that. She is still the only known one to uh, make a full recovery. Um, every other, then there's been at least one, I think two since her, and she's she'll be 18 um, next in a couple of months. Wow. And um, but she, I believe my my wife believe it's the cause of SIDS, you know, sudden infant death syndrome. Um, and they still don't know where it comes from. They don't know how it, because literally they came here, they took the air cleaners out of my trucks. They came in, they tested our heaters, our floors, our soils, our everything that she was exposed to, they tested and they couldn't find those spores. Um, it'll, it only affects babies because in our guts, botulism F, it has to get into your intestines where there's no oxygen. All right. And then it breeds. And as it breeds, it releases a toxin that covers up your receptors that tell you to breathe, to move your arm and all that stuff. It basically blocks those receptors and shuts your body down. And then you die from suffocation. Basically, you know, you stop breathing. Um, so my wife is to credit for getting us there before she stopped breathing and but she eventually, like I said, because she was so young, those nerve endings and those receptors, they just grow back. Hmm. Um, the botulism can't get into our guts because there's too much bacteria and other stuff in there for it to find a niche. But with the brand new baby, there's nothing in there yet. And so it got in, it bred. And literally, if you left your baby in a crib, we all came into a cold house that night. And so we just threw blankets and stuff and our son hadn't seen us in a couple of days. And so we threw blankets and stuff in the living room and all just crashed right there in the living room watching TV. And yeah, if, if she wouldn't have had the baby laying on her, um, who knows, you know, if she'd have been in a crib or something, it could have been a whole different story, <laughs> but Boy, you, you get a, you get a lot of those moments, Right, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of forks in the road where it could have been a whole different story. Um, right. Yeah, it, you, yeah. yeah. You, you've, some, some. I think I think it comes down to the support, though. Yeah, really. Like you say life yeah. is on your side, and and life for you is family and friends, and that, and that connection, and that's that's it's great to hear and and to see it, and yeah. to see you passing that on, and you know, not just eh, do whatever you want. You know, there's not 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 putting up more walls between people because that that's not helping anybody. So yeah. I'm glad to see your big open arms surrounding all the people in your life. Yeah, we got yeah. it. <laughs> awesome. So, so Billy, thanks so much for joining us. I, I knew there's going to be some interesting stories in, in chatting with you. Um, if if someone wants to reach sure. out to you, do, is, is there any, are you, are you active on any social media? Do you, is there a way for people to connect with you at all? Or I'm on Facebook. Um, I don't get on there all the time though. That's a, it's kind of a hit and miss kind of a thing with me. Um, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to let you know on that because I do have a phone number, but I'm not really. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't need to do that. That's fine. <laughs> so we'll gotcha. put the Facebook link. Yeah. So anyone, uh, if you want to connect with Billy and be part of his extended family, perhaps someday be lucky enough or 
you know, see him out on his in his RV trails or, or watch him and his wife on YouTube or something, whatever comes That's, next yeah. with a Zen plumber. Uh, we'll have the Facebook link at realmenfeel.org and the show notes for this, and you can you can connect and follow up. Again, thanks, Billy. Uh, thanks, everyone, for, for listening in. I hope you got some valuable insight out of this conversation, and I hope, uh, you know, bring the glad game back from Pollyanna and, you know, yeah. and, and, and find a way to embrace your your life, your family, and and look at all the forks in your road, and where can you choose the, the more uplifting, the more positive, the good-feeling one? Um, so wherever yeah. you're discovering Real Men Feel, appreciate any shares, any likes, comments. You can write to me at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Always love to hear from you. And if you want to uncover the more positive aspects, if you need help discovering where to go in the forks in your road, reach out to me and schedule a talk at theandygrant.com slash talk. Always glad to chat with people. And it's not a show. It's, it's just a private conversation. And you can also now support this show directly. There's a link at the bottom of the show notes. You can give as little as 99 cents a month to help more guys discover that real men feel. Until next time, be good to yourself. Be good to your friends. Be good to your family. We all are in this together. Be well. All right.